Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the new Legal Toolkit as it appears on the Legal Talk Network. If you're a returning listener, thanks for hanging in there. We're glad to have you back. And if you're a new listener, welcome in. We're about to bend your ears back. I'm your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm also the Senior Law Practice Advisor with Massachusetts LOMAP. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. You can also buy my new book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association, on iTunes, at Amazon, and probably at a bunch of places I don't know about yet or haven't even heard of. My new guest host, Heidi Alexander, has you after the break. As I want to say around here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own Legal Toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. On this episode of Legal Toolkit, it's no different. Today we're going to talk about Desktop as a Service, or DAS, D-A-A-S for short, and we'll discover that DAS is really pretty good. Joining me now is Tom Rowe. Tom is a founder and managing director of OTB Consulting. Tom is a fourth-generation attorney and a graduate of the University of Georgia School of Law. Go dogs! right? That's right. Tom also holds, that's right, <laughs> Tom's an SEC guy through and through, also a Vanderbilt grad. Tom also holds that undergraduate degree in computer science and business administration from Vandy. So Tom's got a deep and varied experience in the field of legal technology. He started out as a practicing attorney. And then he became an integral leader in the development of Time Matters and BK Express while also establishing his own consultancies. He's been named Techno Lawyers Legal Technology Consultant of the Year. In 2007, he merged his various business interests into OTB Consulting. And Tom and I actually recently spoke together at ABA Tech Show. I can report that in addition to all the other stuff he's been able to do, he's also a really great guy. Tom, pretty impressive resume. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. When you said go dogs, I had to keep from barking. So <laughs> That would have been fine. We'll see how Georgia does this year in the SEC. Tough conference every year. Looking forward to so, it. So let's get into it here. As my man Marvin Gaye used to say, let's get it on. Uh, Tom, could you tell us what DAS is exactly? Because I think it's going to be a term that's probably new to a lot of folks out there. Yeah, Jared, as you indicated, DAS, which is uh, capital D, little a, little a, capital S, is the acronym for Desktop as a Service. And while uh, DAS is, can actually be somewhat confusing in what it means, there are actually a multiple and uh, different ways to deliver Desktop as a Service or DAS. Um, sometimes it's even called Infrastructure as a Service, Server as a Service. But to keep it simple, what DAS is, is the off-site, in other words, out in the cloud, Okay, hosted virtual desktop that is provided to end users on a monthly subscription basis. I think, I think the easiest way to think about it is to kind of turn it on its ear. Think of traditional remote access to office-based computers or your desktop. 
There are many tools out there that allow law firms and, and lawyers to access their computer or the desktop that they have in their office remotely from a hotel or from home. Uh, things like go to my PC, log me in, services like that, so that if I'm in a hotel, I can suddenly have the desktop that's normally in front of me all day long, I now have available to me when I'm remotely away from my office. What DAS does is kind of the opposite of that. It says, look, when you're in your office, instead of accessing your desktop there in the office and uh, connecting to local servers and local infrastructure to run applications locally, when you're in your office, you're going to reach out to resources that are now stored in the cloud, uh, hosted in the cloud, uh, and you're going to have your desktop out there always remote, and you're going to run your applications that way. So it's, it sort of takes the, the concept that a lot of lawyers already know about, and that is remotely accessing your computer in the office, but it says, hey, when I'm in my office, or, or for that matter, when I'm in a hotel or in a courtroom or wherever it may be, I access my desktop out in the cloud remotely. Sounds like something that lawyers would love. They see the same thing everywhere they go. No fuss, no muss. Um, as you know, and as we talked about at uh, Tech Show recently, there are a ton of online access options for lawyers, and DAS is just one of them. So what are the major drawbacks of some of those other systems, those non-DAS options? Yeah, you know, I, I think when I, when I think of the options that attorneys have out there uh, for, and I'm going I'm to country mostly on, on the options that they have when it comes to uh, moving their information and, and uh, moving their operation, in essence, their technical operation out into the cloud. It, it's really hard to, to think about and talk about DAS without talking about SaaS, and that's S, little a, little a, capital S, software as a service. And, you know, for the past five years, and Jared, you go to these, these uh, tech shows and things like that, for the past five years, there's been tremendous buzz uh, in the legal technology space uh, about SaaS applications, uh, most specifically document management, practice management systems. And the promise of software as a service, which basically means a software application like document or, pro or practice management delivered from the cloud to the consumer, the end user, the lawyer, okay, on using a computer uh, through the internet, but delivering those kinds of software to the end user, um, and and it has great promise, and 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 it helps a lot of of solo practitioners, smaller firms, in that they can access these programs that help them run their practice better, but they don't have to. Um, uh, they have it all remotely, number one, which is great. And number two, there's a promise of, and, and the, the, one of the ways that the finances of software as a service is justified is the promise of not having to maintain a large local technical infrastructure. Uh, that can be quite costly. Mm -hmm. And because SaaS is delivered to the lawyer through a browser, the software and the data is all stored in the cloud, the argument goes that they don't need to have a local techni technical infrastructure. Basically, yep. the larger the firm gets, they don't have to have servers and routers and things like that. The, the problem with that, and again, I'm a huge fan of SaaS. Uh, we use them all the time in our office. Our clients use the SaaS programs and things of that sort. The problem we've seen in the legal vertical is 
uh, twofold, well, really mainly, is that most firms use other programs like, uh, say, bankruptcy firms use Best Case, Immigration uses Immigration Pro, Black Acre for real estate firms, uh, litigation firms use Case Map, Summation, things like that. And as the firm grows in size and uses these other kinds of applications, they're not available typically in the cloud. And so what happens is that in a lot of ways, the uh, SaaS promise of you can get rid of your infrastructure uh, can disappear because you still have to maintain that infrastructure in order to run all these other applications. Uh, it can even be more problematic if a firm, for example, uses multiple SaaS applications, all of which will justify their cost by saying that you can reduce your local infrastructure costs, yet all of them can't make that claim because that's, that's claiming uh, benefits over multiple times. And so, again, while a huge fan of SaaS technology and, and there's some great vendors out there that our listeners should, should, should look at it and consider, I think desktop as a service, as we saw at TechShow, there were at least five or six vendors there in TechShow in, in Chicago mm. uh, who were saying, look, we can provide this remote technology that gives you a practice management system a case management system, but everything else that you use, the other supporting applications are all available to you in the cloud remotely and will allow you to seriously uh, uh, limit or reduce your infrastructure costs. Yeah. Oh, great, Tom. That's, that's a good breakdown. And for those interested, we've actually done a program on SaaS previously, which you should listen to in comparison with this program, it's sort of a natural outgrowth. So, Tom, you talked about the disadvantages, some of those that DAS solves for. Are there other unique advantages that DAS has over SaaS that you haven't covered yet? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. Uh, number one is the advantage of DAS, and it's, it's not so much necessarily all DAS against SaaS, but DAS against your own local infrastructure, for example, is yep. that mm-hmm. uh, I can either buy a file server and buy local infrastructure, or I can, in essence, lease it or rent it from companies like Amazon and Rackspace and then second-tier providers of this. And because they're providing services to thousands of users, they have the ability to get better licensing terms. They can utilize computer resources better due to what's called virtualization, uh, where a single server can actually act as as multiple servers to multiple clients and things of that sort. That allows the DAS providers to give the same level of, of infrastructure service to, say, a, a five-man law firm uh, at a much lower cost uh, than they would get if they did it themselves uh, in their own office. The um, mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. thing is that uh, with, with a traditional local infrastructure where you've got a server and workstations, which you're going to have to have workstations because you have to access through the Internet you know, to access your servers out of yep. the cloud. Okay, but, mm-hmm. but w- w- just managing local workstations is very difficult. They're spread out throughout the office. You now have cabling. You've got all the problems that come with the local area network. Uh, you got to, you know, your, your IT provider has to walk around from computer to computer, things like that. With DAS, everything's centrally managed. Every application runs off of a single file server. So if I, for example, if I want to update to the newest version of Microsoft Office, I simply do one upgrade, and it would apply to, say, all five people that would then access it. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the, 
solution is inherently remotely accessible, so there's no need for a lot of the remote access solutions because it is remote. It's off the it's it's uh, it's out of the office. It's out of the cloud. That provides all the advantages that remote access has. The mm-hmm. the firm's uptime will probably increase. Uh, that's actually oftentimes for SaaS and DAS offerings. That's oftentimes pitched as a as a disadvantage. Yet I'm of the belief that a good SaaS or DAS provider is likely to have a higher uptime than someone running a local system. Um, <laughs> I think security is kind of interesting. People will also pitch that. You know this, Jared, because this is an area of your expertise. Yeah. But people will oftentimes talk about the security of cloud-based being lower. Oh, it's out in the Internet. It's out in the cloud. Yet, mm-hmm. as we've seen over and over again, those of us who, who work with law firms, you know, the security of having a locked door or having – uh, you know, uh, uh, work crews in your office cleaning the office and things like that pr- provides tremendous, you know, gaps in security or potential gaps in security that, that don't exist in the cloud. Uh, oh, yeah. it, it, one, one last thing, if I can, and that's that mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, that DAS, I think, provides, this is really important when you look at things that have happened over the last four or five years from Katrina mm-hmm. to Sandy, you know, to uh, the natural disasters, the man-made disasters in uh, 9-11, things like that, mm-hmm. where... DAS is inherently a disaster recovery plan uh, because the data is stored oftentimes in redundant locations, oftentimes in locations that aren't subject to natural disaster, things like that. Uh, as long as you work with a reputable dealer, a reputable vendor, I should say, uh, then you know that your data is going to be out there, it's going to be safe, it's, it's going to be available to you such that if you uh, were a uh, law office was uh, uh, destroyed, or damaged by, say, Sandy, uh, you could be up and running in a matter of a few days if you got away from that area and had access to an Internet line. Yeah, absolutely. And that last point really hits home in Boston, at least recently, with the bombings we had at the Boston Marathon. Touch attorney the other day who was out of his office and was only able to access his resources because they were on the cloud. Um, Great answers there, Tom. Now, let's break this down in terms of a typical usage of DAS. Now, would you be comfortable relaying a use case you've seen in your practice? Yeah, I'd be glad to. I, I think one of the things that, that actually got us real excited about uh, this, this technology and, and really made us look at it closely was a client of ours who was in the position of having to replace their infrastructure. And this is a firm uh, of about eight users, um, and they had an older server that had reached its uh, uh, a limit, time limit, needed to be replaced. And they went out and, and uh, uh, got some quotes from a local IT company and came back. And the local IT company quotes for set, buying the server, buying the hardware, setting it up, configuring it, the whole works, somewhere in the $10,000 range. And it made them stop and think, do I really want to drop $10,000 right here? Uh, or might there be other options out there getting into the cloud? And, and what they did was they went out and, and, and negotiated with Amazon which is one of the top-tier providers and, and also, candidly, one of the more expensive providers. But went out and talked with Amazon, and as part of the Amazon Web Services, they paid a monthly fee, and for that, they, they get a file server, a computer file server, that has a certain amount of what are called CPU cores, so in essence, how many central processing units are running, how much RAM, how much memory is in it, and then how much space they have to store their documents and other information. And Amazon, the other vendors, run kind of a formula, and they come up with a pricing on that. Uh, 
once they got that number, okay, which, uh, again, I, I don't mind saying was, I think, somewhere, and this is, again, on the high side, I think, a little bit for a firm this size, was about $400 a month. And basically, uh, that provided them the ability to then set that server up with all of their software, which included things like uh, the office suite, exchange server, um, uh, their case management system, which was Time Matters, and, and their uh, billing program, uh, other software, uh, best case bankruptcy that they used, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what they had was, uh, instead of dropping 10, which candidly probably would have expanded to, as we've seen things, if an IT company oftentimes says it's 10,000 by the time it's all over, it very easily could be 15. And that's not a slam yeah. against IT. That's just what happens when you install mm-hmm. systems like that. And when the day was over, for $400 a month, uh, they had this very fast, snappy, remotely accessible system uh, in the Amazon Web Services, uh, and it's working great for them. And everybody in their office, they have four offices, so it provided the ability for them to uh, move around. It just worked out great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks, Tom. That's a great example, and we've covered a lot of great stuff in the first half of the show. But now we got to take a quick break. When we return, we will have much more with Tom Rowe. Now, this is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors. And this, however, represents a potentially unique opportunity for one or several of you out there listening. Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors. Now, you can hear your advertisement right here if you decide to sponsor the program. And if you're interested in doing that, you can contact the team at Logical at info at logical.com. And when we come back, we're going to have Heidi Alexander and Tom Rowe for the second half of the show. All right, folks, welcome back to the second half of our program. Jared's left for his Zumba class, and now you've got me, Heidi Alexander, here, your new co-host. I'm also a law practice advisor at Mass Lomap. So today we're joined on the show by Tom Rowe, principal of OTB Consulting. Hi, Tom. Hey, and I got to tell you, Jared and Zumba, I just can't get that out of my brain. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so so let's keep this real here. We, we, we asked about a use case before the break. Tom, how does the total cost of ownership for DAS compare to that of a traditional local setup? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. And in, in looking at that case scenario that I... I described and even others that I've looked at since then and clients of ours that have used it. The, the cost-benefit analysis is very compelling. Um, if you compare, for example, a five-year total cost of ownership uh, for an on-site server versus five years of subscription costs for the desktop as a service, uh, it's typically going to be close to a wash it might be that DAS is a little more expensive over time. Uh, a lot of that depends on how good the equipment is, whether they have a lot of problems in the interim that you know requires IT resources and costs and things of that sort. But in most scenarios that you would see and pan out, you're, the DAS is going to be a wash, perhaps a little more expensive. But again, it's going to provide you know solutions that you can't get locally. Uh, and, and it just it just makes a lot more sense from a from a just a pure cost perspective. I think the other thing it does that associates with cost is it allows uh, the firm a lot more flexibility. Uh, so if the firm grows rapidly, uh, it's very easy 
to, instead of going and buying a new server, to simply add more resources. You just email Amazon or the provider and say, I need more power. And they add CPU cores or RAM or hard drive space. And, you know, two minutes, five minutes later, you're, you have, you know, more server. And so that's really hard to replicate in a, a local environment. Uh, I think also for firms that have multiple offices, the total cost of ownership uh, is, is much more advantageous in the DAS concept because you open a new office, all you do, again, is make a quick call to up the resources, and which is a fraction of the cost of buying a new server and putting in new infrastructure. Great. Thanks, Tom. That, that's very helpful. So if, if we were looking to purchase a, a DAS product, um, what are the basic types of providers that purchasers will be seeing out there? And are there any DAS providers who focus on the legal community in particular? Yeah, it, this has been a fun part of the whole process of us, uh, my company, really starting to look at, at uh, DAS. And that is there's a variety, uh, in fact, many, many, almost to the point of confusion, uh, models of delivery of this type of service. Uh, at, at the very uh, bare essence, there are top-tier providers like Amazon and Rackspace, uh, and then second-tier providers uh, who basically provide um, pretty much nothing but the server. Um, and, and then you would use your IT infrastructure to set up the server to do what you want it to do. Uh, the, it's, it, this is a generalization, but I think it's a pretty accurate one, and that is that so the, the, the top-tier providers like Amazon Rackspace, they use fairly convoluted formulas for determining the cost of what you need and how many users and things like that tend to be a little more expensive. The second-tier providers, I think, provide a little simpler plan, certainly a little less expensive um, and all, and there's reasons why you're paying less and for, you know, for a lar- than you would have a larger top-tier provider. Uh, but as long as it's a reputable second-tier provider, it's a great al- alternative uh, to getting just the raw server resources uh, for a fixed cost per month for the firm. Um, so that's kind of at the bare essence of it. A real interesting model that we're seeing, and this, this was what most of the vendors that we saw um, at ABA Tech Show were doing, and that is they're, they're providing managed services. And by that, they not only provide the server space, they, they not only provide you the server presence in the cloud, but they also make sure that everything's managed. They make sure that your operating system is put on there, that your antivirus, your anti-spam, the malware, they make sure that your email server's running, they keep the MS Office updated and upgraded. Uh, mo- many of them that, that specifically work in the legal space also will make sure that your legal-specific applications, uh, like uh, the financial uh, applications of time slips or tabs, uh, case management programs, document management programs like World Docs, case management like Amicus, Abacus, Time Matters, things like that. They'll make sure those are all updated and regularly going. And, and now they charge more for that. It's not free, okay? Uh, but for a lot of lawyers who look, they just want to practice law. It's a great option because the IT company, uh, or the, the pardon me, the, the DAS provider basically takes over management of all of that, and that allows the law firm to simply say, I just want that done, I want it working, I'll pay you a monthly fee for it, and now I can go practice law. Um, so I, I think we're seeing the managed side of it uh, really starting to grow. There are a, a number of them in uh, the legal space, 
of legal workspaces. One, Duncan LLC is another, uh, and, and I feel terrible because there's several others that aren't on there. I'll make sure there's a, a vendor list uh, up on our website uh, in the next couple weeks so that people want to go out to that, they can see that. But there's some really good vendors out there that are doing this um, and providing the managed solution. Great. Thanks, Tom. So now that we have a sense of the providers that are out there, do you have any tips for law firms vetting these systems and these providers? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. That this, the, the whole concept of cloud computing scares the heck out of a lot of lawyers. And, and truthfully, and I say this, it should. And by that, I don't mean they ought not do it. Uh, again, I'm a huge fan of SAS. All 15 states uh, who have, have looked into it have uh, stated that as long as the lawyers, uh, and this is generalization again, as long as the lawyers exercise uh, due diligence in, in their, their investigation of the, the vendors, then they can put confidential client data in the cloud. So it's not that I don't want lawyers to do that. It's not that I want to scare them. It's just they need to know that there's the responsibilities that they have in doing so. But in, in vetting the uh, providers, you know, obviously you just need to go with a reputable dealer um, who is going to have your data, which means you need to make sure you have a way of getting your data back. You certainly need to make sure that you're not relying on them to do backups. You need to make sure that you get that data coming back to your office often enough that if they were to go out of business or, or have technical problems that you're covered there. But, you need, uh, you know, so you're going to look at companies that have been in business for a while, for a long time. You're going to uh, check out the term of services to make sure that your data is adequately protected. Uh, you're certainly going to ask for references um, uh, to make sure that it's a company that you're comfortable with that's going to be around for a long time and is going to protect your data. Uh, so uh, there's, there's a lot of things that one needs to do when they, when they go out there, but most of it's just common sense things you should do anytime your data is going to be in someone else's hands. Those are great points, Tom, uh, particularly with respect to using the cloud. So can you... If I just interject, sure. when Jared and I spoke at Tech Show, he did, a, he did an awesome session on talking about, you know, those, that aspect of it that the law firms need to be really cognizant of. It's just something that's so important. Yet at the same time, I don't want to scare anybody because it's here, it's going to be here, it's going to be used, talking about cloud, uh, SaaS, DAS, things of that sort. But lawyers really need to exercise due diligence in making sure they do the right things. And that's what, why you all provide those kinds of services and advice to, to, uh, to your members uh, of the bar. That, that's absolutely right. And I, I completely agree with you there. Um, in, in terms of differences between um, DAS, the DAS application uh, for small firms uh, and large firms, could you talk a little bit about that? I know you mentioned earlier that it's a pretty cost-effective solution for firms with multiple offices. So I'm wondering, you know, in your opinion, if, if whether this is a cost-effective option for a small firm or a solo attorney. Yeah, it, it's... It's kind of interesting here, and by the way, I think anybody ever evaluating technology solutions needs to look at firm size. So I'm so glad you guys asked this question. Um, too often people make generalizations about technology without considering, well, is this a solo practitioner? Is this an AMLAW 500 firm? And the solution, one solution that might make total sense for one may not make any sense at all for the other. Uh, I, I think that 
SaaS certainly has its place for small firms and solos. I think solos and small firms can really take advantage of the SaaS solutions um, in that they typically don't have a lot of the network-oriented application that would require that they maintain infrastructure in their own office. Hey, sometimes they don't even have an office. They don't have a physical office. So, some, you know, if you're a true solo and, and maybe someone who has a virtual office and things of that sort, I think the SaaS offerings are great. Uh, I, I think DAS works for them as well. And where I think the difference is, is that I think that DAS uh, opens up a broader uh, uh, selection of software that they can use. Uh, so, for example, if you're in SaaS, you're going to be looking at the half-dozen SaaS providers uh, of practice management, document management, and financial uh, programs uh, that are out there. Again, all of whom are, are great vendors and provide great products. Um, but if you're in the DAS environment, you can go that route, use SaaS, but you can also uh, take advantage of some of the more robust applications. And by robust, that, that's, there's good and bad there. They could be more complex, more difficult, bigger learning curve and all that. But it just gives them a broader uh, choice. I think pure solos and all that are going to have a tougher decision between SAS and DAS, and they're going to have to really evaluate it. I happen to have a true solo uh, who runs her practice uh, on a DAS provider um, and, and, and is very happy and very pleased with it. Uh, on the other hand, I think that DAS is the perfect solution uh, for firms who are looking to either purchase or replace infrastructure, who are in that range of uh, 4 to 5 to 15, 20 uh, users. I think it's the perfect solution for them because instead of having to come up with a big upfront capital expenditure, uh, they can get a, a DAS solution uh, that is on a monthly basis, spreads out the payments, doesn't require the big upfront cost, and then is, is, has all the advantages that the cloud provides. The larger it gets, you know, the firms are, in fact, you know, the big firms are, in fact, using the cloud. They're moving out. Uh, into the cloud, but they tend just to be more conservative, slower moving. They have a lot more difficult problems with security, trying to maintain security on, um, you know, infrastructure for hundreds, if not thousands of users. It's just a different ballgame. Uh, so if we focus on the small and solo and then the medium-sized firms, probably the bulk of who's going to be listening to us today, uh, I think the small and solo can go either way. I think for the medium kind of sized firm, small to medium sized firm, DAS is, an, is a great alternative to give them a wide variety of software applications available to their firm uh, with all the advantages of SaaS, all the advantages of the cloud. Thanks, Tom. I think our users will find this conversation, our, our users, not our users, our, our, our listeners, uh, our listeners are, will actually find this conversation very helpful. I, I think this is a, a good stopping point here. Uh, it looks like we've, we've reached the end, uh, of another episode of the Legal Toolkit. So remember that you can check out all of our shows at the Legal Talk talknetwork.com. And thank you very much, Tom Rowe of OTB Consulting for taking the time to drop by our virtual studio. Hey, Tom, if any of our listeners want to find out more about you and what you do, uh, how would they go about doing so? Yeah, first of all, thanks so much to both you and Jared for having me on, the, uh, on, the, on your show today. It was a great, great opportunity to talk about an exciting technology. Uh, your listeners can check us out on the web at uh, 
otb-consulting.com. That's Oscar Tango Bravo-consulting.com. Uh, or they can email me at tom.row at otbconsulting.com. But again, thank you so much for having me today. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Tom. And thanks to everyone out there online for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. Today's legal news is rarely as straightforward as the headlines that accompany them. On Lawyer to Lawyer, we provide the legal perspective you need to better understand the current events that shape our society. Join me, Craig Williams, and a wide variety of industry experts as we break down the top stories. Follow Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network or wherever you subscribe to podcasts.